Hey, everybody. Welcome to All There Is. I'm your host, Kelly Bargabas. Thanks for joining. Today's episode is called The Silence of Drowning. And I want to give a brief trigger warning because today's subject is related to mental health, including the topic of death by suicide. So just know that going into it. It's not going to be terribly graphic or gruesome, but disturbing nonetheless. I know it's it's another one of those difficult, unpleasant subjects that none of us really want to talk about and we wish didn't exist. It's something that we wish we didn't have to deal with, but we do. And it is part of this human experience that we're all having, that we're all witnessing. And so it's in that spirit that it's important to talk about it. I did a a show on shame and secrets and how keeping secrets can be dangerous and even kill and that we must save our own lives by not keeping secrets. And I think this is another one of those areas that traditionally has had a lot of stigma and a lot of shame for all of us to talk about, whether it's about ourselves or our family members. And, you know, that needs to change. I think it is changing in our society, but we still have a really long way to go. So that's why we're talking about it today. Many of us or people we know also have been impacted, not only by mental health issues, but also suicide. Let's jump right in and look at some facts. According to the CDC, suicide rates have increased 33% between 1999 and 2019. Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death in the United States, which means it was responsible for more than 47,500 deaths in 2019, which is about one death every 11 minutes. And the number of people who think about or attempt suicide is even higher. In 2019, 12 million American adults seriously thought about suicide. Three and a half million planned a suicide attempt. 1.4 million attempted suicide. And it's one of those things that affects all ages. It is the second leading cause of death. This is really disturbing. It is the second leading cause of death for people ages 10 to 34 and the fourth leading among ages 35 to 44. And some groups have higher suicide rates than others. They can vary by race, ethnicity, age, and other factors. Highest rates are among American Indian, Alaska Native, and non-Hispanic white populations. And veterans have a really higher than average rate of suicide, which is devastating. People who live in rural areas and workers in certain industries like mining and construction. And young people who are lesbian, gay, or bisexual have a higher rate of suicidal ideation and behavior compared to their peers who identify as straight. So those are some sobering statistics from the CDC, which relate to the United States. But even on a worldwide basis, the World Health Organization claims that suicide remains one of the leading causes of death worldwide. And every year, more people die, again, on a worldwide basis as a result of suicide than HIV, malaria, or breast cancer, or war and homicide. And in 2019, more than 700,000 people died by suicide, one in every 100 deaths. And when we hear statistics like this, it's hard to personally connect ourselves to those numbers. Even though they are jarring and disturbing, it still feels a little impersonal. We can keep our distance still, I think, when we see them on paper, when we see them online, when we hear them on the news, until they show up in our lives and in our circles with people we know and love. It could be the college-age son of a coworker 
or a former neighbor of yours, or perhaps an elderly person that you know, or a beloved celebrity like Robin Williams. We were all devastated when we heard the news about him. Your own story could be someone even closer than any one of those examples that I just gave. Unfortunately, I think it's how we're wired as human beings that sometimes it can be hard to really connect ourselves to it until it impacts someone in our circles. And so the title of today's episode comes from a real-life experience of mine that happened probably 15 years ago or so, and it was a very distressing experience for me at the time, and it, you know, just on its own, it's a very, just a very tough story for me, and one that has stayed with me and haunted me ever since. But also, even when it happened, I knew that it was a metaphor and provided a valuable life lesson for me that could be applied in many areas. For me, it relates so much to mental health and those struggling to keep it together and really just sometimes stay alive day after day. And so I'm going to read my story, and then we'll talk more about it on the other side. The Silence of Drowning I take a break from my book and look up. There they are. With the bright sunlight reflecting off the blue ocean, it takes a moment for me to find them. They're playing in the water as my mother and I catch the last couple of hours of beach time. Kevin tosses the tennis ball to my father, and just as he leaps to catch it, a big wave crashes on top of him. Kevin laughs as he makes the catch while rolling around in the white foam left behind by the wave. I close my eyes, inhale, drinking in the savory salt air, hoping that if I pack myself full enough, I can take it home with me when we leave today. A few minutes later, I look up again. My dad is moving too far out, past the breakers. I stand up and wave to Kevin, motioning for them to come closer to shore. Kevin looks at me and says something, but I can't hear him over the laughter and shrieking of children as they are chased by waves. My mother stands up with me. We both look out, our hands flat over our eyes, as if this extends our distance of vision. Mom, he's too far out. I'm trying to tell Kevin to come back in. Kevin moves towards us, but why isn't my father coming in? Kevin's now close enough so I can hear him shout, I don't think he can get in. What do you mean he can't get in? The current is so strong it's pulling him out. I look at my dad's face. His smile is gone. He's not saying anything. He looks like he's treading water. He's a strong swimmer, I tell my mother. Other people on the beach stand with us, worried. I tried to go after him, Kevin pants as he explains, but as soon as I lifted my foot off the ground, I felt the current pull me out. He bends over, hands on his knees, trying to catch his breath. I turn around and look for the lifeguard. The tall white chair is empty, flipped over, upside down. Shit, it's after Labor Day. The lifeguards have gone home for the summer. Now what do we do? My father tries to move toward the beach, but when the ocean pulls back to wind up the next wave, he is sucked out again. God, please help him. Help him get out of this. Please save him. A man wades a few yards out in the surf with Kevin, trying to get close enough to my father to help him. My father tries again, but moves further away. Parents call their children out of the water. Somebody turns their radio off. I look at the people around me, their faces pinched, their eyes avoiding mine. Finally, on one pull of the wave, my father drifts close enough to the man helping us. He grabs my father's arm and legs and drags him to shore. Oh, thank you, God. 
His muscular legs can't hold him up. He drops on the sand, paralyzed with exhaustion. He's on his back, his skin pale and breath heavy. Although I have never seen it there before, I recognize the fear in my father's eyes. He didn't think he was going to make it back. Why didn't I scream? Why didn't I call 911? I should have asked someone to help him sooner. I should have brought a boogie board to the beach. Maybe I could have thrown it to him. Why didn't I see that he was in trouble sooner? Why couldn't I tell that he'd stopped having fun and thought he was going to die? Why didn't I help him? My father almost died in front of my eyes and I didn't try to save him. I promised myself that day that I would never do that again. Never again. Would I stand in silence while someone is in danger? Never again would I hold my tongue because I'm not sure what's happening or how to stop it. Never again will I pray silently while watching someone struggle. I will scream. I will yell for help. I will find someone to listen to me. I will try everything I can to save a life. I learned that day that drowning can sneak up on you. In movies and television, drowning people are obvious. Screaming, flailing arms, waving in the air. Someone hears their cries and jumps in to rescue them just in time. In real life, people drown silently. Because they cannot breathe, they cannot make a sound. Their body shuts down, not allowing their arms to raise high above the water. Lifeguards and other experts are trained to look for the swimmers who suddenly stop moving, who are not raising their hands, whose heads seem to bob above and below the water without a sound. We can't always see when someone around us is struggling, caught in a riptide, strength used up, unable to remember that swimming parallel to shore is the way out. We must look for those struggling silently. We can't rely on other people to do the rescuing. Lifeguards aren't always on duty. Sometimes it's us, it's the people on the beach who can save a life. Man, I haven't read it in a long time and it still gets me. Again, I want to use this illustration to talk about what we're talking about today, which is the people around us who are struggling, whether it's with a mental health crisis with addiction, with thoughts of suicide, whatever it is, there are people in our midst and they are people that we know, that we see at work, that we live with, that we are related to. There are people that we encounter every day, everywhere that we go that are struggling. First of all, just need to know that. And we need to look for those people. We need to look for those people. And we need to do what we can to extend a hand. Like this guy in the story, that man showed up on the scene. I don't know where he came from. He grabbed my father's arm. He brought him up on the beach. And I don't even know where he went. I never talked to him. He didn't stick around, I don't think. I never saw him again. But I I was so grateful to him that day. We all were. He saved my dad's life. But you could be that person to extend a hand. We're using this metaphor of drowning. What can it look like in our everyday lives if someone is silently struggling, silently drowning? Well, it can look like a lot of different things. It could be not answering texts or phone calls or emails. It could be missing work, showing up late to work, not performing at work. It could be their posts on social media. 
It could be just any change in behavior. Perhaps they disappear off the grid. Maybe they're unkempt. They're not showering. You notice that they're showing up in the same clothes two, three days in a row, or their clothes are not clean. Their hair is not clean. They're not taking care of themselves. Maybe they're not showing up to things that they used to like to go to. Family dinners, nights out with friends, movies, whatever it is, it's a change. Maybe they were, uh, you know, used to love to work out every day and they haven't worked out in six months. There's a lot of different things, I think, and that's what makes it really difficult to know when someone is struggling because the person who is usually struggling or drowning, they don't have the wherewithal to articulate it to you. They don't have the wherewithal to get help. I mean, that is the whole nature of it. It's just like the nature of drowning. When you're drowning, you can't breathe. You're physically exhausted, so you can't lift your arms. You can't shout. It's the same way with someone struggling with mental health or thoughts of suicide. They're in such a dark place that they can't articulate it the way that would be really helpful for those of them around them to know exactly what's going on and what they need to do. And that's not a criticism of them. It's just the nature of the beast. And so we need to just be on the lookout. We need to be aware that this is happening. We need to be aware of these statistics. We need to look for things. And when we see something that seems odd, out of the ordinary for that person, or you have an inkling that something's going on, don't stay silent. Don't just stand on the beach looking out, hoping somebody else shows up. Nobody else is coming, okay? There's no lifeguard on duty. We can't wait for the lifeguards to come in and be the hero. We have to make noise. If you can't save them yourself and you don't know what to do, then make a commotion. Make some noise. Draw attention. Don't stay silent. Extend a hand. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, when this becomes the most real for us, it's when we get that phone call or we get that text or we see it in the news that someone we knew or someone in our extended circle, a friend of a friend, a relative of a friend ended their own life, we are shook up. And it surprises us because we thought we knew them. We thought what we saw on the surface was all there was to see. We believed the image they portrayed in real life, right? Or in social media, on Instagram and Facebook. And we believed their public persona, if they were a celebrity, what they portrayed on the television, in the magazine, you know, maybe when you saw them at the store or at the movies, we thought they had it all. For celebrities, we think, oh my gosh, they have all the money, all the fame, all the beauty, the talent, the popularity, all those shiny things we spend our lives wishing for, admiring or envying. And sometimes the people around us, it's sometimes the people that take their own life might fit that same profile to you where you thought, wow, they seem to have the perfect life, the perfect boyfriend. She just had the most amazing engagement party, or she's got two beautiful babies, or he is a super talented athlete and has his whole life in front of him. And that's what we see on the surface. And so we're so shocked and devastated when we find out that there was something much darker going on. But the truth is, we don't see everything at first glance. It's impossible to see things that are hidden from our view. 
And sometimes they're hidden intentionally, and sometimes it's just by the nature, like I said, of this beast, that there are things lurking beneath the surface. And of course, our inclination is when we wake up to horrible news about people that we know and love or about our heroes, we want answers. We want to know why. We want to make sense of it. So we talk to our friends and we tweet and we snap and we post, why did they do this? How could they? We look for ominous reasons, right? We think there's some story, like some sordid story about divorce and affair, addiction, crime. We're convinced there must be more to the story. And chances are there was more to the story. Probably wasn't as glamorous or as seedy or as sensational is what we're thinking. What was more to the story is that chances are they were silently drowning and nobody saw the signs in time. And so the whole point of this podcast episode is to share this illustration to get you thinking and to think about it in your own context and for your own life, for your own circle. What are the things that you can look for? How can you extend a hand to someone? How can you call for help? How can you draw attention? And again, I want to say, I've said this in previous episodes, this isn't to shame or to embarrass anyone or to gossip. That is not what we're talking about here. This is not for you to see somebody struggling and to call and text your friend group and let everybody know, oh my God, did you see Sarah today? She didn't wash her hair. It was so greasy and her clothes were dirty and I think she's gained 20 pounds. Like, I wonder what's going on with her. That's not what this is about, okay? Or gossiping at work about the guy who just got caught in an affair and he's on a binge and he hasn't shown up for work in three weeks and you're all standing around the water cooler talking about him. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about you being a grown-up and when you see someone who might be struggling, when you see a sign that "Mm, something's not quite right, Something is not quite right. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it, but I'm going to reach out. I'm just going to say, hey, uh, are you okay? Do you want to have coffee? Can we get together? And if you don't know them directly, maybe bringing it to the attention of someone in their life who could reach out to them. Again, we're all adults here, so we don't want to go towards shame that's where we've been and we're trying to get rid of that stigma. This is all about witnessing the human experience so that we can share, shift, connect, and change paradigms. And we need to change the paradigm that we've all been living under when it comes to mental health and death by suicide. We need to talk about it. We need to look for signs among our friends. And we need to extend a hand. We need to save a life if we can. Now, if you are in crisis, there is a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's also a website, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. If you're listening to this podcast and you have thoughts of suicide, please call that number and reach out to that website and definitely reach out to someone in your circle. I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you hanging in for the tough conversations and for the things that none of us like to talk about. But this is how we create change. 
This is a step towards building awareness and building acceptance and being able to help those around us and to help change the dynamic, change the conversation, to be open and honest and vulnerable and authentic and to not be ashamed. This is a step in the right direction. So thanks for listening. Share this episode. You can go to kellybargabas.com to listen to past episodes or to reach out. Until we meet again, take care.